up, everybody, and welcome to Tailgate Talks, powered by the nation. Today is July 26th, and this is episode 190. Uh, today, we're recapping the TBT tournament as it made its way to Lubbock. Me and Dustin got out there for uh, the two Air Raider games. Unfortunately, they lost that second one, but uh, we'll discuss uh, the TBT tournament and then football season is around the corner. We only have a few shows before uh, the season gets started. So we're going to start some of our uh, offseason prep today by discussing the first half of Texas Tech's schedule. So the first six opponents that we will be facing in the 2023 season, we'll deep dive those opponents um, and discuss all that. So uh, we're excited for this episode. It's going to be a good one. But to catch everything we're doing here at Tailgate Talks as we ramp up for football season, got to follow us. Be following us on Apple and on Spotify. Give us those five-star ratings, five stars for the Tailgate. And if you listen to us on Apple, uh, you can kindly leave us a review. Also, follow our social media accounts. We are on Twitter at Tailgate underscore Talks. We can do most of our posts posting on twitter so give us a follow there but we also have instagram and facebook uh, so give those a follow also follow that youtube channel we'll be posting more and more videos as football season gets closer uh, so you'll want to catch those give us a follow uh, and subscribe to the channel to be notified whenever we post a video and if you have anything you want us to discuss any questions comments anything for the tailgate you can email us at tailgate talkspod at gmail.com so with all of that said, let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. We're going to start this thing off right. Well, the basketball tournament has come and gone. The Lubbock Regional was hosted Wednesday through Sunday of last week. Uh, the Tailgate Talks crew uh, went to the first uh, two games for the Air Raiders, decided to take the Sunday off as the Air Raiders failed to meet, make the Lubbock Regional final. Uh, but here's how it went for the Air Raiders in their the first ever TBT Lubbock Regional. They started it off with a... 83-62 victory over the Purple Hearts, uh, who were the eight seed. A pretty dominating win for the Air Raiders there. Uh, and then they fall to the enchantment, the University of New Mexico alumni team uh, who came out and uh, had a lights-out shooting performance and ended the Air Raiders' run in the second round uh, thanks to some elite shooting from several different players on that squad. Um, and some elite flopping, I will say. Uh, and so the uh, Air Raiders journey ends just after two games at the USA. And ultimately, the Bleed Green, the UNT alumni team, wins the Lubbock Regional. Um, so, Dustin, uh, let's just kind of talk about our experience at the TBT and watching these Air Raiders play over the week. What were your thoughts? Man, that was so amazing to get to watch all those guys come back and see them in a version of a tech uniform yeah. again at our home court, home arena and good fan base. I mean, we had 4,000 fans at that Wednesday night game, which is top 10 attendance in TBT. So a lot of people showed up for that, showed up for them. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. And 
also like surreal seeing the mix of players and generations like playing together. Yeah. Like John Roberson passes to Matt Mooney, throws it down low to Jordan Tolbert. <laughs> like pretty pretty cool to see all those guys playing together and seeing those, you know, Elite Eight and Final Four teams back in action. You know, a lot of times you don't get to, you know, cherish their last game or even know like Kyler Edwards winning is his last game or you know, yeah. we were hoping Davide would come back for the year and he's gone. So super, super cool to see them back and playing. And, you know, they even admitted that it was a lot of emotions and really, really cool for them. And they felt the love too. Yeah, I definitely felt it that Wednesday night. Got chills multiple yeah. times, you know, just uh, oh, yeah. thinking what those players were going through when they're getting introduced again at the USA, you know, in the starting lineups. Davide's first time back onto the court, you know, got a huge ovation. Yep. Um, the play that, you know, I'll remember from this was the Matt Mooney to Tariq Owens alley-oop and then how crazy the he crowd put his got. hands up at half court. Yeah. He's like, throw it. <laughs> and and just how, you know, pumped the crowd was after that. And, you know, the environment felt like, you know, while it wasn't as many people, it did feel like, a you know, a Texas Tech basketball game. People were into it. People were having a yeah. good time. And, you know, even in that unfortunate loss to the enchantment, you know, we were down by a lot and we kept pushing and making runs and like it, it got real exciting there when you're hitting a couple yeah. threes and Moretti would hit a three here and Parker Hicks out here hitting threes to keep us in the game. Parker Hicks. Uh, unfortunately, just couldn't out out shoot them. But uh, there was just no. a lot of fun moments. And so, yeah, forever grateful to the TBT for picking Lubbock as a de- destination, yeah. letting the Air Raiders come here and compete and getting to see these guys throw on that jersey. Um, play together and it's definitely something that you know I hope the TBT comes back to Lubbock and I hope there's many versions of this team where you can just you know every right. year you're seeing different guys from different eras squad up and, and go compete and uh, hopefully it's something that that becomes a annual thing in the summer yeah I hope this isn't the last time we get to see some of these guys and this group play together um, I think if we can continue to host um that we'll have a lot of interest from former players that want to come back and play. I mean, heck, you had yeah. Davide flying from Italy the night before the first game. Yeah, just to play. And yeah. Brandon Francis was trying to make it from Indonesia when his team made the finals. Like, you guys coming from halfway across the world just to play with these guys for, for two, day, two days, maybe three. But hopefully we get more hosting and that'll – yeah. keep the interest very very high and we can continue to see these guys play for us and not to mention all the other guys who were there to support you had norrence odiasi Jarrett culver tj shannon yeah, was in side the line. house um sidelines were cool um, yeah yeah you had everybody honest arms in his jersey ready to go um, <laughs> was ready to play <laughs> uh, but yeah you had a lot of former players here to watch and support these guys and of course a lot of uh, a lot of fun was had uh, at the TBT, they were serving drinks, so the beer was good. You know, unfortunately, not concessions did great. Yeah, so not a not a whole lot of concessions though. So the lines got a little bit long. So you had to you know double up when you went. But um, ultimately, a great time was had. And yeah, we all we can do is ask the TBT to make that journey out to Lubbock again in the future. If not, I imagine the Air Raiders will still be participating. Um, and yeah. so it'll be fun to see what iteration of this team comes in the next year. Uh, any other TBT thoughts you wanted to get out of the way here? No, I'm glad that Bleed Green ended up winning the final on Sunday. You know, Enchantment couldn't hit every three they shot like they did on yeah. Friday night. You're just not going to beat a team 
that makes everything. I mean, if you've played sports at all, you know when you've run into a buzzsaw and you just can't do anything about it. And so it wasn't really that bad of a loss to take when they literally just won't miss. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do anything about it. So I'm glad North Texas won and are going on and that enchantment's back at home just like we are. Yeah, all that just to lose the next game. But, yeah, sometimes yeah. you got to tip your cap to a team sure. that's shooting like that. And no matter what we threw at them, they were, they were just hitting ridiculous shots time after time. Um, and so, um, but once again, fun was had, and that's kind of all that matters, especially in July when there's nothing yeah. going on. <laughs> and so, um, so enjoyed that. Uh, other basketball, blah, Big 12 basketball stuff that we got to get to, especially for the Red Raiders, the Big 12 – announced the scheduling matrix for the upcoming basketball season with the four new additions to the Big 12. Things get a little bit different. And so for Texas Tech and, well, for really every team, you get a combination. You get uh, some home and away teams that you're going to play twice. You get some home-only squads, and then you get some away-only squads. And so for Texas Tech, it shapes out like this. Your home and away teams for this upcoming season are Baylor, uh, UCF, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Texas. Your home-only teams are BYU, Cincinnati, Kansas, Kansas State. And your away-only teams are Iowa State, Houston, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. So, Dustin, uh, your thoughts on the scheduling matrix and how that lined up for Texas Tech? First off, like person that does scheduling stuff like this for a living. I couldn't imagine trying to schedule this type of thing. Like, holy smokes, you got 14 teams. You're doing a combo and then you're doing a home only and away only like, woo, good. Maybe, maybe there's like a, a something you just put all the names in and it spits it out. And yeah, it's like, I right. just asked AI to do yeah. it. Chat GPT. Chat GPT, do this for me. Um, but I like what we ended up with um, the home and away. I really like that we got to keep most of our in-state rivalry type games yeah. for the both of them, Texas, TCU, Baylor, even the Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's good. His- historically, you know, that's pretty good. Um, the home only is real nice because we don't have to go to Lawrence, Kansas or Kansas State. Um, I think Cincinnati is a good basketball home environment as well. Yeah. So, like, to not have to go to those three places, very nice. And your away only doesn't scare me at all. Like West Virginia's going through a bunch of crap right yeah. now. Oklahoma's never had the great home environment. Houston, we've been playing them. And like our buddies down there have talked like they're not a huge, huge fan base. They've had a good they, they team. They get into the basketball, though. Uh, the, basketball I, a little I more. more Iowa State's a tough yeah. place. Like those two, Iowa State and Houston, are tough, but. I think you ended up on the better side of this with with what you got, especially with the Kansas and Kansas State only at home. Yeah, I don't have any gripes on this schedule. I think if I would nah. have changed one thing, I would have switched Houston from away only to home and away and UCF to that. UCF. Um, the UCF get twice doesn't really make sense when you look at the rest of the that's teams that were good playing. for us, though, in the Big yeah, 12. Yeah, that's not bad. That's a team that I would, you know. Playing them yeah, twice so, is nice. You know especially this year when with everything you're going through, uh, you know, you hope that you're already at a better level than UCF and that can be yeah. two wins. For I, I like that actually, because there should be a lower level team in the big 12 yeah. and getting them twice is going to be good. 
Yeah, uh, I was just kind of hoping Houston would come to town. It would be fun, but that might be something that we sure. need down the road and not not this year. Um, but, yeah, I think avoiding Kansas on the road is fantastic. Kansas State on oh, the yeah. road is fantastic. Um, that That's nice to have those home games, too, uh, is really good. That makes, makes yeah, it feel like great. buying those season tickets are a little bit more worth it, knowing that you've got two of the top teams in the country that are going to come For here, sure. including Texas, TCU, and Baylor, who are – going to be very competitive teams um but ultimately yeah i like how it shakes out i think they did a good job with this schedule and it's one that i'm definitely excited for and as you mentioned like two year away only games you're not really scared about with west virginia west virginia and oklahoma so um other texas tech news yesterday it was announced the hiring of dave smart as an assistant coach for basketball Uh, if you're unfamiliar with dave's Mart and what he's done it's probably because he's been doing it in canada uh and so you might not focus on what has happened in uh canadian college basketball but uh he is maybe one of the best canadian college basketball coaches of all time if not the best. so uh he spent 18 seasons coaching at carlton university uh in canada where his record is 591 in 48 uh that's pretty good and also has won Coach of the Year 10 different times. Um, since then, he was acting as like the director of operations at Carleton University, so I don't think he was doing as hands-on a coaching. I'm not really sure exactly what that role entails there. Uh, but he will be joining Grant McCaslin and staff. Dustin, your thoughts on the hire? Yeah, like besides the stats that you reeled off, that that's all I've seen also on Twitter. Like, I don't know much about him, but – Obviously a great yeah. history there, coaching history for him. I mean, I can't even count that high with how many wins he has. That dude doesn't know losing. Um, so, and that's what you want. You want guys <laughs> who just know how to win. <laughs> that's ridiculous to have. I'm going to do that. What's the percentage there? Do we know? 48. God, that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's like a 90% win percentage, maybe more than that. So, I mean, having a winner is amazing. <laughs> like, that's all you can ask for. Yeah. And he's also produced some talent that's gone on to the next level. Um, no, like, huge, huge names, but still something you can kind of boast there that, yeah, my guys don't just, like, you know, quit playing basketball after college. They, they're going on to G Leagues and international and this and that. So there's there's high upside there. I think just having a good – quote unquote smart uh coach to go alongside the staff and a winner like helps a lot yeah one of the things i always judge is kind of the reaction of people in the know in the basketball community when uh, a hire is made especially one not really familiar with the name and when you got the fran fachillas of the world yes all complimenting this hire as like wow that's a that's a kind of next level hire for this team um that's good for me. You know, that that's all I need to know is other basketball minds, right. people who, you know, think very highly of this guy and what he can bring to this university. And so, like you said, quote unquote, you got smarter with this hire. Um, yep. And all you need and with this staff, especially right now, is guys who can help build a culture, build a winning culture here at Texas Tech. And this seems like a good guy to have alongside to do it. Uh, there's still one more assistant coach hire to be named. I think that is um you know one we've been kind of speculating for a while the aau connection uh high school 
um, legit recruiter that we might be bringing on. And so, of course, when that happens, we'll discuss that hiring. But um, anything else you got on Dave Smart that you wanted to discuss? No, not right now. So that brings us to our final topic for Texas Tech basketball this week. And I don't want to go too deeply into this because it felt a little clickbaity and anything you get with field of 68 that's associated with Jeff Goodman kind of is going to do that um, because, you know, Jeff Goodman doesn't really like Texas Tech. But uh, the field of 68, it was not Jeff Goodman on the video. It was two of their other guys uh, did a little offseason grade for the Red Raiders, and they came to the conclusion that – a D plus was an appropriate grade for Texas tech. Uh, one guy was a little on the softer side, gave us like a C and then one guy was on the F side uh, of it. And so that's kind of how it averages wow. out to D plus. I thought they made some good points. Uh, I watched the video just cause I kind of wanted to see what they thought. Um, a lot of it was losing yeah. the coach, you know, you go, losing a coach going between that transition uh, losing a lot of players like Jalen Tyson, uh, Fardaz Amac, not being able to keep some of those guys um, was, yeah. was really. And then they didn't really like the roster as a whole. Now they did like some of the pieces, but they aren't very high on us. They don't think that we're going to be, uh, you know, super competitive in the Big 12, but might be a team that can try to sneak into the tournament. And so that was ultimately mm-hmm. why they graded us a D plus. Dustin, your kind of thoughts on that? Did you catch that video or did you just see the tweet and kind of move on from it? Exactly. I I didn't give it any of my attention because I associate Phil 68 with Goodman. So I feel like he doesn't care to give us any credit for anything anyways. So I wasn't going to worry about it. I did see some people on Twitter, you know, getting their, their panties in a wad about it. But um, just hearing your points there, I get the roster part of it. I mean, you lost a lot of good pieces. You had O'Banner and Davion Harmon you know, graduate slash leave uh, with eligibility and then lost two big players also. So that part I can, I'm okay with the coaching part, not necessarily because yeah. if you step back and look at the situation, we were in a bad coaching position last year, a really bad coaching yeah. position last year. So I think even though a transition is hard on a program, I think the coaching will be better and the coaching staff will be better because of that. Yeah. I think just the coaching situation in a, as a whole is better. So I would push back on that part of it pretty, pretty heavily, honestly, with the circumstances we had last year that we, we know about. Yeah. I will, I will say uh, one part I agreed on the video with them is they said they did think it's unfair to grade tech this off season because we don't really know yet. And they were making the point that I think a year from now, two years down, this is obviously yeah. going to be a higher grade because they do really, they both were really high on McCaslin and all that stuff. Uh, I think a lot of the the stuff is coming from just how big of a mess he had to come in and kind of clean up from, yeah. from last year, which I get, you know, you I don't think you can grade anybody over a C if they go through a coaching change, because sure. there's so much that you don't know. Yeah, like, okay we can be high on the castling, but you have no idea what it's going to look like until you yeah. actually play. Um, and so I agree with some of that. Uh, I agree with some of the roster turnovers, like not easy. You lost a yeah. lot, but at the same time, I thought losing Fardaz wasn't the worst thing in the world. He kind of seemed like yeah. a locker room problem. Maybe um, seemed like he cared more about getting a bag than playing ball. And I thought like yeah. keeping pop was a huge, huge win. That's kind of was sure. overstated in that video. I don't think they, they didn't talk about pop as highly as I thought they would. Um, hmm. 
Uh, I thought keeping him, Lamar Washington, Jennings, you know, Demarian and um, Kerwin was all, uh, you know, pretty good. And then I thought you brought in some really good players. So, you know, I would, I'd probably be like about a C plus with this just because of the fact that you don't really know what you're yeah, going with. That. But I thought given the circumstances, we did a good job to salvage this off season and, and feel like too. you're in a place where you can maybe be middle of the pack in the big 12 next year. And that's, yeah. that's not a bad place to be in year one. No, and then year one, I mean, I know we had different expectations for Adams, but we also had a different roster and the turnover was better. Uh, but yeah, I think C plus and making the tournament is pretty good. Yeah. Just barred and set for this year. Yeah, it's something that it's feasible. And I think, you know, for me, it, it really is like I'm gonna have kind of low expectations for this first year. I yeah. don't I don't want to set the bar too high. I just want us to go out be right. be competitive and you can see a culture being built a program that looks like it's going to be successful uh, for years down the road. That's how you want to get off, uh, how do you want to get this era going? And so uh, excited for the McCaslin era to get going. I think he's made some really good hires. I think, you know, we've brought in some good pieces that you can definitely win some games with. And so we'll be yeah. uh, interested to see how this season plays out. We'll be discussing more basketball as news rolls around, but you know, our focus kind of shifts into football season here. And so we're going to go over, uh, and discuss the first half of Texas Tech's football schedule for the 2023 season. Who in here Somebody turn on some damn Well, Texas Tech football season is getting closer and closer. Uh, the trip to Laramie is just around the horizon. Uh, we've just got to get through August, and it is here. Uh, and so, as we typically do in the off season, we're going to start uh, our football coverage by breaking down our opponents. We have a bit of an interesting August with my wedding upcoming, so we got to get these kind of episodes out of the way before we take that mid-August break. So we thought we'd start now, and so that means I will kick us off with our first opponent of the season. And that is the Wyoming Cowboys as the Red Raiders head up to Laramie to start the season. Labor Day weekend. Wyoming last year uh, finished the regular season with a 7-5 and record. And they lost in the Barstool Arizona Bowl to Ohio to finish the whole season 7-6. and um, When you think about Wyoming, you think about pretty consistent. They've had a winning record in five of their last se uh, seven seasons. They typically end with about seven wins. Uh, every yep. single year. Uh, so they're kind of that team that you kind of know what to expect. The last meeting with the Red Raiders uh, was in 1992. So it's been a long time since we've seen Wyoming. We <laughs> made the trip up to Laramie in 1992 to beat them 49 to 32. Um, and so that's the last time you played them. Been a long time. Um, and so it'll be uh, an interesting game to see. So for Wyoming, offensively, this is uh, not the greatest offense in the country. Uh, last year, they scored 21 points per game, good for 118th Oof. best in the country. Uh, their ground game is good. It's their passing game that struggles. Their quarterback, Andrew Peasley, returns uh, as a veteran QB who had 10 touchdown passes to nine interceptions last season. So that's not Damn. great numbers from your starting <laughs> quarterback. So understandably, why their offense struggled to put up points uh, – <laughs> points and touchdowns last season yeah. if you're not getting it done through the air 
but he looks to be the guy who's going to uh, be the quarterback for this team. But he does have a guy in Jaden Clements who is a dangerous running threat at QB who's behind him. And so there's a chance that you might be able to see both of these guys. If, uh, you know, Peasley okay. comes in and struggles, uh, you might get Clemens, who's the the better run option. And if Wyoming wants to have a chance to beat us offensively, it's probably going to be through the ground game that they're going to uh, have to take advantage of. Their ground game is led by DQ James, Dairy Queen James. Um, James. <laughs> uh, he, what a name. he returns from last year, and then they bring in a transfer from Northern Illinois, who they're excited about. Uh, to be there in the backfield, Harrison Whaley uh, at running back. They lost their best receiver. Uh, he left in the portal. I think he ends up being a guy I'll discuss later for another team uh, that we played. Right. But their number one tight end happens to be one of the best tight ends in the Mountain West, and that is Trayton Welch. So he will be one of their top targets if they're passing the ball, if they're able to complete passes. Uh, and their number one wide receiver is Wyatt. Wyland. That's uh Wyatt Wyland. Nice. I thought that's a pretty cool from name. Wyoming. Um Wyatt Wyland from Wyoming. Um he's their number one option at wide receiver. And then maybe their best player is their veteran center, uh Nafoa Fia Telefono. Um some complicated names that I've had to have to go through for this Wyoming yeah, you team. Have. Yeah, your work cut out with Wyoming. Yep. Uh but Wyoming isn't going to beat you with a crazy offense. If they're going to beat you, if they're going to be competitive in this game, or if they're going to keep it close, it's going to be all on the defense. Their defense is loaded with, uh, you know, some all conference talent. Uh, Cole Godbout is the leader up front. He returns from injury uh, in 2022, uh, but he's definitely one of their leaders. He goes along with their top pass rusher, Devon Harris, uh, for what they think will be a pretty dominant line in the Mountain West Conference. Um, their linebacking duo combined for 194 tackles last season. They both returned in Easton Gibbs and Shea Suanoa. Uh, so that might be the best linebacking duo in the Mountain West Conference. And they lost their best defensive back to the transfer portal, but they do return a pretty deep secondary led by Ja'Cory Hawkins at cornerback and Wyatt Eckler, who was the third leading tackler from the safety position. So uh, those are some gotcha. names to look for. But in summary, Wyoming's success depends on the passing game. If they abandon the run for the pass, if they have to fall, you know, if we jump up on them 14-0 or yeah. real quick on them, it's going to depend on if they can uh, pass the ball. If they want to have a balanced offense, they have to complete over 60% of their passes, which is something that seems kind of easy to do nowadays in football, but it's something that they struggle to do. But when they do complete over 60% of their passes, they're 11 and three over the past two seasons. So um, obviously Wyoming, you're a 14 point favorite on the road for them. This should be, a, should yeah. be a win for you. I think, you know, they're obviously going to get up for this game. It being a power five opponent being at home. Um, and so they might, you know, they'll have the crowd, they'll have the players. Sure. Uh, but this is obviously a game that you should control. And if your offense is able to put points on the board early and often, it'll be a long night for Wyoming as uh, they're just not their pass, you know, their pass game just isn't to that level. And so you should be able to uh, kind of bottle that up and can really control, uh, control the ball, control the time of possession, and then see your way to a one and zero start on the season, which leads to Dustin's first game, which will be the biggest non-conference game of, potentially ever for Texas Tech 
Uh, and that is the Oregon Ducks come to Lubbock. Yeah, right now, I mean, I guess, like you said, of this decade, that's probably going to be our biggest non-conference yeah. game so far. Uh, since we already have things scheduled out, it's probably like 30-31, you know, with how football scheduling yep. works. But Oregon Ducks are going to be a completely different animal to deal with, um, no pun intended there, than Wyoming, because this is the number one, number six offense in the country from last year. Huge, huge offensive yep. game. Lots of lots of returners on both sides of the ball for them. They were about, I think when I looked at one play, seven points away from being in the Pac-12 championship game last year, Bo Nix, the all-time starter at Auburn that we know of for so, so yeah. long is in his second year at Oregon now played really, really well last year until he got an ankle injury. Um, they had a great 10 win season last year. It's funny. You mentioned we last played Wyoming in 92. Cause that's also the last time we played Oregon. Oh, wow was in 92. So we've made this combination yeah. before. Um, we are 0-2 against Oregon all time in 91 and 92. So hoping we can break that. But yeah, the head coach Dan Landing is in his second year. We know Mario Cristobal left to go to Miami a couple years ago. It's also when we got Tim DeRuder mm-hmm. from Oregon as well. Um, while I'm on him, I mean, they're just their defense hasn't been the same. Ever since, they were pretty terrible on defense last year. Only forced 18 sacks. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty bad. And their third down defense was also very bad. So was the year before. So, obviously, Tim DeRuder has something to do with that, and we've seen what he can do for us. So, huge, huge game for Tim DeRuder and that defense for Oregon. Um, trying to reprimand things, really. Um, they, they look like they should be ranked top 15 start of the year. I mean, they're going to have really, really high expectations. Everything I looked at going into this was this is a swing game for them. Like, this could get them off to a 4-1 and or 5-0 and start on the year and really propel them into Pac-12 yeah. conference play and great success. And we know it's a big swing game for us as well. I mentioned Bo Nix. He's in his second year at Oregon. Um, they bring back a great running back in Bucky Irving. like that. Good name. Like that name, first team All Pac-12 nomination there. As long as two great weapons in Troy Franklin and Terrence Ferguson at tight end as well. Troy Franklin's probably their second best, like key key player. Um, while Bucky Irving and their other running backs get a lot, a lot of play as well. Their defense, as I mentioned, they're not great last year, but their D line does have a first team All Pac-12 guy in D line and Brandon Dorless, and then they got a. Defensive end from South Carolina, Jordan Birch. So they're hoping to up that defense a little bit with a couple of talented transfers in DB. They're going to be young at DB, but a lot of talented transfers there. Trying to revamp that defense, like I said, with some transfers, changing some pieces out. But this is going to be an offensive shootout, I expect. I mean, this is going to be first to 50 type game wins maybe. So when you come September 9th to – to the Jones, like buckle up for this one because Bo Nix, Tyler Shuck, it's also a revenge game for him. It's going to be a hell of a quarterback battle. We're going to see a lot of great plays. Uh, it might come down to does Oregon's defense turn it around or does Tim DeRuder's defense for Tech come up with some stops and turnovers first? Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's kind of funny the the connections that there are between you know between these two teams, yeah. even though how far away we are. Uh, you got Shuck, DeRuiter, Marcel Yates. Um, uh, oh, they're uh, 
new offensive coordinators from UTSA. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's like I knew I missed something in there. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the Oregon Ducks who will be – yeah, I'm excited for this game as as everybody else Very. is going to be excited for. Definitely a big swing game. I think your season – That will be your first game with the new turf, yeah. the new lights that are going up, all the fancy new fun lights. We'll get to see those for the first time. I'm pretty sure that's one of those 6 o'clock 6 kickoff, kickoff games. Yep, so. so, man, for the first game of the season, that's a epic one to start with. Night game, new lights, new field. Yep. Great team coming in. We don't even know what uniforms they'll be yeah. wearing. So Ooh, it's going to be great. Good. It's going to be good. I'm excited for that one. And after you face the Oregon Ducks, well, it, Tarleton comes to town. And I didn't really deep dive with these guys, Dustin. Uh, I, I don't want to waste too right. much time on, on Tarleton University. <laughs> you don't need to hit Tarl- the Tarleton. What are they, the Cowboys as well? I think they're like the Texans or something, actually. I, oh, I don't that even, makes sense. I don't even know. I, I don't even think I looked. <laughs> Sorry to your Tarleton fans out there. Yeah, you don't sorry, know your mascot. Um, it just says Tarleton. Uh, just Tarleton. <laughs> Tarleton Texans. Yep, I was right. All right, all right. So we got the Cowboys, the Ducks, down. and then the Texans, the Tarleton Texans, who went 6-5 and five last year to finish 6th place in the WAC. It is their final year of transitioning to D1 football. So uh, next year they'll be full D1. This is the first ever meeting between Tarleton and Texas Tech. Uh, so no history there, uh, but yeah, not going to get a deep dive Tarleton. Uh, first off, couldn't really find anything to really deep dive them with. And then really it's just sure. a team that you expect to uh, be an easy win for you as you get ready for conference play. Yeah. And that's really all about this is, you know, if you lose to Oregon, this could be a nice bounce back, get your confidence back up, kick some ass uh, yeah. as you get ready for big 12 play. Or if you beat Oregon, this is a good, just kind of settle your emotions down um and, and handle business against a team and get ready and so you don't have like a huge letdown you know you could beat oregon and then get right, right into conference play that might be one of those oh we're all high and mighty after being oregon and then you slip up so i like where this game is placed i like that it's right before conference play um just yeah. for that reason alone is that kind of gives you a chance to you know if you've got some things you figured out you need to work on from oregon you can do them in this game and set yourself up for conference play so um, that's that's our quick Tarleton review. Um, Sweet. You know, good to get another home dub and move on to West Virginia and Neil Brown and the West Virginia Mountaineers. So, Dustin, uh, you've got our, our Mountaineer coverage. Yeah, this is always one of my least favorite road trips because West Virginia is not an easy place to get to for this team. Um, this is still a TBA game, so I hope it's not an 11 or 12 o'clocker. Yeah just for our own sake, traveling that far. I want to get our, you know, bearings about us that day. Yeah, Neil Brown is back going into his fifth year. We thought he was going to be gone after last year. He only had a 14-21 and Big 12 record in his four years. They have not had back-to-back losing seasons in 40 years, so the writing's on the wall for Neil Brown this year of – it's do or die. The hot seat is as hot as it can get. So he's got a lot to play for. On obviously, he might not make it throughout the year, but they went five and seven last year. Only three Big Twelve wins. Finished second to last only to Iowa State against Texas Tech. They're six and six overall. Six and five since joining the Big Twelve. So, or we are six and five against them since joining the Big Twelve. And last year we beat the hell out of them, forty-eight to ten. In a whomping, JT Daniels couldn't throw it to the correct team. 
We remember that. And that was our fourth straight win over West Virginia. So that means Neil Brown is 0-4 against and Texas Three of those Tech. are Matt Wells. <laughs> <laughs> and three of those are Matt Wells. That's One to the Julie McGuire, so. thing. <laughs> Great start to this West Virginia segment, just bashing Neil Brown for two minutes. <laughs> Love it. Uh, but yeah, week four, September 23rd, we go to West Virginia. They have a, I have to mention JT Daniels there. He has transferred out and is now at Rice. So they have a quarterback battle, but it looks like Garrett Green, the junior, should win that. They have a talented redshirt freshman as well, but I would expect Garrett Green to be there by this time. That other that freshman might be in later in the year to try to get some more experience, but I wouldn't expect that this early. Um, their key, this is going to be a lot like the Wyoming matchup, not like talent wise, but yeah. in in how how they're going to play. They're going to be a big running team, run, 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 and they have three big guys. But their main guy is C.J. Donaldson. He is a massive six two, two hundred and forty pound running back. They had three guys last year that went combined over 2,000 yards on the ground. And he's had, he had 400-yard games. All five of their wins last year, they had over 200 rushing yards. Wow. And in all seven of their losses, they did not. Wow. <laughs> so they know the key to success wow. here is run the ball. So C.J. Donaldson, expect to hear that name a lot. And he's going to be tough to tackle at 240. Um. Their best player is Zach Frazier, all Big 12 center coming back for them. They have all five linemen okay. back, so that can't be a yeah. bad thing as long as they have improved over the last year. Um, they have two good tackles as well with that Zach Frazier in the middle at center. Um, their wide receiving core, pretty mediocre. Um, a lot of pieces were changed out there. There is a guy, four-year starter at NC State, Transferred over Devin Carter. He did not play against you last year, however. Um, but yeah, their top four receivers are gone from last yeah. year. Uh, they didn't have much of a receiving game, but still, that's a lot, a lot of pieces to change out there. But running the ball is going to be their key. There, defense. I know I mentioned this with Oregon, but their West Virginia defense was god awful yeah. last year. God, god awful. They were almost last or second to last in every statistical Big 12 category. <laughs> there is. Right. I mean, yeah. Like Baron so they, you know that Baron Morton throw for, what, 400 yards against them? So. Yeah. So they have a lot to fix there. Um, they got a good DB transfer, Montre Miller from Kent State. Defensive end, Sean Martin should be good. Their best defensive player is Lee Kogba, linebacker Lee Kogba. He led them in tackles last year, was really good, but yikes, their defense was bad. Yeah. So if we can stop their run, their big C.J. Donaldson, we should be able to light them up again and and have a good time over there in Morgantown. Yeah, I would uh, expect if we go in there and blow them out in the first Big 12 game at home, um, Neil Brown might not be there. They were, yeah, they were a team, and I don't know, looking into some of this, I know you've had – Tarleton and Wyoming, but I mean, looking at like, especially once I got into the Big Twelve play, like a lot of the transfers make this hard to yeah. follow and keep up with, and really get a decent analysis on. Like West Virginia had a lot of guys leave. Yeah, their their best running out. back is uh, going to be on the team I cover next. Yeah. yeah, 
Their best running back went to Houston. Their quarterback went to Rice, also in Houston. <laughs> they lost their top four receiver. Like so many interchangeable parts and pieces, and so kind of hard to get a decent analysis and pinpoint yeah. on some of these teams. With who'd you say their starting quarterback is going to be this year? Or do they have one picked out? Garrett, Garrett Green, Green is probably going to be the guy. He's a junior right now. They have a redshirt freshman who's pretty good too, but I think those first few games green would get it just because of experience. And then if things start going South, that other guy might come in to try to try to try to save some things and get him some young experience. Hmm. So there's you, there's you West Virginia. It's all about the run game. And what might be the last season for Neil Brown. Uh, Hopefully tech can maybe help expedite that. Um, But that moves us on to a, another opponent that we are very familiar with. Of course, this time the one change with them is that they are now a part of your conference. And that is the Houston Cougars right. as they come to Lubbock for the second time in as many years. Um, <laughs> of course, we're very familiar with this opponent. We've played them a lot over the last several seasons. You currently yeah. have a five-game win streak over the Houston Cougars. Uh, yeah. Last season, they had a lot of high expectations, but... Failed to meet those going seven and five, finishing fourth in their last season in the American Conference. They did win their bowl game, the Independence Bowl over Louisiana. So not quite the season that they wanted to have after having a pretty successful one the year before. Uh, last year, of course, we remember that meeting with Houston. We won in double overtime, 33 to 30. Donovan Smith uh, led the Red Raiders in that victory with some crazy plays, some uh, fourth and 19 conversions to help get the dub. Yeah. Uh, and now, of course, he wears the Houston Cougar jersey. So that's one of the interesting Crazy. things with yeah. this team. Of course, Houston is a popular transfer destination for Red Raiders over the past few years in most sports. Sure. <laughs> so that's something we're we're uh, just getting used to. Uh, but uh, one of the interesting things when I was kind of looking through Houston is, is just their lack of success against Power 5 teams really since Dana Holgerson arrived. Yeah. They're 1-12 against current Power 5 Woo. teams since then. Uh, that one win coming against Auburn in a bowl game like two years ago. Uh, of course, we know their struggles with Texas Tech as you know we beat them with Matt Wells when you, know, you really weren't all that <laughs> great of a team. Uh, and they ended up winning like 11, 12 games that season. So... Um, so that's one of the things about Houston coming into this season is that struggle against Power 5 teams, and now they're in a Power 5 conference where that's every single week you're going to be playing a Power 5 team. So that they're definitely one of the teams I'm interested to see how they do this season. Their key returners and some notes on them offensively. Of course, Clayton Toon is gone, uh, which means Donovan Smith or... Uh, Lucas Coley is going to be taking over at quarterback for yeah. the Houston. Donovan's Cougars. not even a given starter. Yeah, right? Donovan's not won the position. They are battling for that, but uh, I don't know. Maybe Donovan Smith just has that more experience, and so maybe they start with him. Maybe it's kind of similar to the West Virginia thing, where it's like, all right, we kind of maybe know what we got with Donovan Smith. We'll roll him out there. If he yeah. struggles, then they go to Lucas Coley. But um, yeah, Donovan Smith in the Houston Cougar uh, jersey will uh, look to lead them at quarterback. Uh, They lost their best receiver last year, Tank Dell. He, you know, got drafted playing for the Houston Texans, staying at home. Um, But Matthew Golden was their kind of star freshman last year who will look to take over that top spot at wide receiver. They also bring in a duo of transfers, Joshua Cobbs from Wyoming, 
and Stephon Johnson from Oklahoma State, who will look to step in and fill uh, some of the roles left by Tank Dell and some of the transfers that they had leave. Uh, running back position, Stacy Sneed and Brandon Campbell return. They were both productive RBs for the Houston Cougars last year, uh, but then they bring in probably their biggest offensive transfer, and that's Tony Mathis, who ran for 562 yards and five touchdowns at West Virginia last year. So we mentioned right. a lot of uh, familiarity with some of these teams, uh, getting players, having players leaving to other teams uh, with all these tech opponents. It's, it's hard to keep track of all of that. Uh, that's our running back situation. Offensive line lost three guys to the portal, uh, but they do return their star left tackle, Patrick Paul, uh, who is back along with one of their, their good center, Jack Freeman. Uh, who looked to shore up that offensive line. They did pick up some transfers to kind of fill the gaps. Nobody big, not from any like big schools. It was kind of like Florida International and some of those. So be interesting to see how that offensive line holds up. Uh, kind of feels like similar yeah. to what Tech had to go through last year. It's like you had a couple good pieces, but you had to find, you know, random players to China from the portal to fill in those yeah. holes. And we knew what that line did in some games that it held up all right, but particularly against Houston last year, our offensive line struggled. So it'll be interesting to see how that offensive line holds up. And the big question for their offense is last year, you know, they had a lot of Clayton tune performances where he had to pull off some heroics for them to win some games. Uh, and really without them, will you know, will their quarterback be able to do that? Will Donovan Smith be able to save them in some of those games? Uh, because, well, the defensive side of the ball for them, was not good as well last year. Uh, it's kind of become a streak here for the teams that we've been covering. Uh, their defense gave up 32 points per game, 422 yards per game last season. Uh, a lot of people might remember they gave up 77 points to SMU uh, last year. Jesus. And so, yeah, defense was a tough side of the ball for them. Of course, when you think back on the Texas Tech game where you had – they had us dead to rights on a fourth and 19 and somehow let us get yep. a wide open completion to get a first down. And so uh, this was a team that really, really struggled last year and really didn't look like they did a whole lot to really sure up that defense. They lost their top pass rusher uh, and a few tackles. They do return a few guys uh, on that defensive line. But, you know, it was a defensive line that. Uh, lost their two best players. So it'll be interesting to see how they hold up uh, linebacker-wise. Uh, Jamal Morris and Tremarcus Cheeks lead the linebacking uh, duo with name. Malik Robinson. I like that, Tremarcus. Um, Malik Robinson returns from injury. He was one of their better players who got kind of hurt in the middle of the season. So having him back will be good. Um, but yeah, ultimately that defense was awful last year and they're going to need to step it up. You cannot be giving up 77 points to SMU. Uh, and then expect to come into the Big 12 and have success in your first year. So overall, the summary for me on Houston is this is like time to prove it. Time to prove you belong. You've been trying and clamoring for that for several, several years now um, as trying to be one of those top non-Power 5 teams. Well, now you're in the Power 5. Now you have the chance. And, you know, like we said, you're 1-12 in 12 over power five, against Power 5 teams. Uh, since Dana Holgerson's arrived. So if y'all want to prove you belong, you got to start beating some of these teams. Hopefully it's not Texas Tech. Um, but yeah, for this, this is a Houston team that I kind of expect to be very similar to last year's. It'll do some good stuff offensively. They'll have some weapons at receiver or running back. And obviously we know what Donovan Smith can do if he ends up leading that team at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, but they're going to have to figure out how to get some stops on defense if they want to win. Uh, and especially if they want to come into Lubbock with, 
you know, hopefully a healthy Tyler Shuck in this offense already picking up steam. Um, but yeah, this is definitely a game that I, I once again expect to win. We'll expect to beat Houston until they prove that they can uh, actually beat us. So, um, but that will do it for my reviews. That gets us over to Dustin to cap off the first half for Texas Tech's 2023 season with a trip to Waco. Yeah, at Baylor, week six, October 7th, your arch nemesis for the last decade plus. So, and then you have the Joey McGuire came from Baylor stuff, but they're, uh, yeah, last 10 against Texas Tech. We are three and seven against Baylor. Not great. And I'm sure if you stretch that out even further, it's still not great. You know, last 15 years have not been good against Baylor. Yep. So they're, uh, and then they came to Lubbock last year on Patrick Mahomes Day and really kicked your ass. Yep. <laughs> it was uh, mostly they had it in hand. We tried to make a quick comeback and then we really collapsed there. We threw five interceptions, all three quarterbacks had at least one of them. And so terrible, terrible collapse of a game. So we have a lot to try to look forward to and bounce back mm -hmm. on. They were, as a team, they were six and seven and four and five in the Big 12, like right there beside you, underneath you technically. Yeah. But that, that one game is just, man, that's got to leave a bad, bad taste in your mouth. This should be a very big highlighter type game for this team, Agreed. tech team going into this in Baylor, they uh, mentioned earlier, like lots of transfers in and out, uh, but they bring back one, one big, big piece running back, Richard Reese. They're going to be another big running team. Yeah, the guy gave us nightmares last year. Oh yeah. What's crazy about the big 12 this year, there's gonna be a lot of good running teams yeah. and running backs this year. Lots of good running backs this year. Uh, Dave Rand is in his third year trying to get that defense back, but, they have Richard Reese, like I mentioned, and then Dominic Richardson, an Oklahoma State transfer. They're going to be in a great one-two punch. And like we know, like I mentioned from these last 10, 15 years, Baylor with two great, good running backs has always given us nightmares. Yeah. Anybody with two <laughs> good um, running backs. <laughs> yeah, no joke. <laughs> um, their O-line has two transfer upgrades. Their biggest one is Barrington from BYU at center. He should be a huge, huge upgrade for them and that running game, obviously. Their quarterback, Blake Shapin, returns. The receivers will be good. Fun little nugget on their quarterback situation. You know who their backup quarterback is? Hmm. I feel like I've heard, but I, I can't remember. He's a transfer from an SEC school. It's going to be Sawyer Robinson from Coronado High School, right out of Lubbock. So he transferred from Mississippi State over to Baylor. Going to be their backup. As long as Blake Shapin's not hurt, we shouldn't have to see Sawyer Robinson in that. But it would be kind of cool to play against him. And then their defense, kind of like I mentioned some other stuff. Like these other two teams I've had, not great last year. You know, Dave Aranda's – that's not going to sit well with him being a defensive genius type person. Um, they need a lot, lot more pass rush and third down stops. So they're hoping their D line with Gabe Hall and TJ Franklin are going to help that out. And then they're their best linebacker left. So they're hoping Mike Smith and Matt Jones 
come in and can step up and fill some holes there. And their DBs are young. So, I mean, that's another kind of trend that I've had over uh, Oregon and West Virginia. There's a lot of young DBs in this first half of uh, play, especially that I had. But so hopefully we can capitalize on like the young DBs that we play, especially against Baylor down there. But stopping the run is going to be, again, the biggest key in this, not only the Baylor game, but the first half of this season is is huge the interesting thing about baylor somehow they only got four road games this year yeah they have eight yeah i don't know how that lots of home games and then and one of those road games is only up to tc yeah so (laughs) i don't even count three and a half road games (laughs) for for the baylor bears they got a nice pretty decent good schedule out of this whole thing um in that so there's your Baylor Bear wrap-up for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Yeah, this one is a big swing game for me as well. You know, if it, yeah. if yep. you're, you know, you're off to a hot start, this could it be is like, for Baylor oh, too. this could be like, oh, this catapults you into the thick of the Big 12 championship race. And if you lose this game, this could be a potential like, all right, you know, where are yeah, we at yeah. as we head into the last part of the season? Because right after Baylor, you got Kansas State, then a trip up to BYU – um, you got your buy, then TCU. And so, um, you know, that mid part of the season is going to be very, very big for this team and how uh, the end of this season goes. So that'll be a huge yeah. game before you head in the second half of the season. As we do it every year, we cover the first half in one episode. Next week, we'll be back to cover the second half of the season, uh, as well as giving out our, you know, best case, worst case scenarios for the season in its entirety. Um, but, uh, definitely some fun teams at the beginning of this, uh, season, Oregon will be fun. Cannot wait to kick this season off. Also, you know, Wyoming will be a fun one, kind of find out really what this team looks like. Um, and so can't wait for the start of this season. Any other football related things you got right now, Dustin, or are you good to go? I'm good, man. All right, man. Well, that covers just about everything for this week. Before we get out of here, Dustin, any final shots for us? I'll stick on. I don't know. I've used this for baseball a lot this you know last month or two, but trade deadline in the MLB is coming up beginning of next week. This weekend should be a lot of action. So I'm hoping the Texas Rangers make some moves, not huge, but in selling the team. But uh, they need some more arms. They just had Corey Seager go down, I think, with an injury. But hopefully the Rangers can make some moves and make a playoff push, finish this really good season going on here. And then obviously, where does where does Shohei go, and yeah. what do the Angels do? Because they're on the on the like that wild card line a little bit. So it'd be interesting to see what they do and where Shohei is playing come next week. Yeah, I'm actually interested in the in the baseball of this too because somehow, some way, the Red Sox are in the thick of the wild card hunt after like once again just you know letting key important players for your team just leave or trading them um but you know we currently sit just a couple games out in the wild card so um we already did one trade we traded kike hernandez uh back to the Dodgers, which um which kind of looking at it makes sense because trevor story is coming back soon from injury and Uh kike had been playing like shortstop so uh, getting Trevor Story back will be big, but you know we're actually playing good baseball. Beat the Braves last <laughs> night, and you know so uh, we'll be 
curious to see if the Red Sox make any moves or do anything. Uh, my final shot, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot right now. July is pretty slow, but there's some kind of interesting news with like people getting paid and stuff. Uh, Jalen Brown got the biggest contract in NBA history Ooh. yesterday. Uh, the dude who can't dribble with his left hand being the highest paid player in NBA <laughs> history, who literally had like eight turnovers in a game seven uh, that got them beat. Yeah, I guess the largest contract in NBA history. I thought that was interesting. Uh, And then I've enjoyed some of the conversations about running back skinny paid. I think it's definitely like an interesting, I don't know. I find it interesting because running backs very early on are, are like super important. But then after they've spent those two, three years when their actual time to get paid is up, they've been used, they've been used in college and they've been used in their first two years. So I think it's like, I get why some of the running backs are mad. Um, but the, the real answer here is to try to trade or try to figure out in the collective bargaining act, like how you can get yeah. paid earlier on in their careers when they're actually like fresher yeah. and, and, and not overworked, uh, yet like a B John Robinson right now should be getting paid a lot more money than he's going to get yeah. uh, later on. And so I think it's interesting. I don't know how you find any of that stuff, but yeah, it should be a little more like incentive laden type stuff, but also like. I think something that no one that no one's pointed out yet that I think is like pretty glaring. Like you know, they're like receivers get paid this, tight ends are getting this. Well, running backs, there's only one of you on the field at a time, and sometimes sometimes and so, two tops, maybe two, but like only one of these getting used most of the time. And like besides the quarterback, there's only one important position that one player gets paid money from. Yeah, and like. Receivers, yeah, there's more than one of you that are out there and can get the ball. Like, so if you can just get two or three guys and rotate them in and out, a lot easier. Yeah. Like, it's just they're in a bad position. They're in a bad position. And they're like, replaceable. Like, look, Ezekiel Elliott was great, and then all of a sudden Pollard comes in, and he can do the same thing, thing you know. Um, no, None of these guys that have gotten paid have helped the guys behind them because then they just crap out. Yeah. Like most of so their, like they're ruining themselves. Most of their productivity is replaceable if you have a good line. Like if you have a good line, you can pretty much throw any running back behind it and you're going to get yards. But it's also like the yeah. way the games change. Like the Chiefs, like it doesn't matter who their running back is. You can pick and plug anybody back that's there. What, that's it, what I mean by like yeah. only one of you can play at a time. Like there's just more pool of yeah. running backs than there are linemen and receivers because there's so many more on the field. You and know? the receiver game has turned and into now, like getting – why are we going to try to run right up at the middle and get two yards when we can run this like receiver screen and get eight on yeah. first down? You know, it's just like the receiving game has opened up a lot more to where it's like, Hey, it's just easier to go get eight yards, throwing yeah. it to Justin Jefferson than it is to try to get four running Dalvin yeah. cook up the I middle. Just, so I see it as like a supply and demand yeah. thing. And there's just a lot of supply for, of plethora of running backs and, not a huge demand for them and yeah. so yeah you're not gonna get paid a lot and then the, the demand is right when you draft them you know and that's that you want those first yeah. two three years of Bijan, and and that's where well then you get a guy yeah you're saying you're taking Bijan top five yeah. for wherever the falcons took him but the chiefs just took isaiah pacheco in the seventh round and he became their starting running back winning super Bowl. <laughs> for most yeah. of the year in the super bowl yeah. so like yeah, I get why they're frustrated, but I like at the same time, it's like man, you're not like that important to its team success. The last running backs who win a Super Bowl are like Pacheco, um, 
like LeGarrette Blunt, I think, has rushed for the most yeah, like touchdowns. Look at the other teams that have paid big contracts. Yeah. You know, Cowboys couldn't – they didn't cut Zeke, but they couldn't wait to get out of that contract. Yeah. Todd Gurley the and Panthers the Rams, that was shipped, not a good deal. They shipped him out. Panthers shipped out Christian McCaffrey, who we think is a godsend to running backs. You know, Dalvin Cook, they cut him because they didn't want to keep paying him money. Yeah. Like, teams don't want to stick with it either. So, it's, it's a tough yeah. position. I get it. Go be a wide receiver. <laughs> Go figure out some better skills. <laughs> but yeah, thought that thought that conversation's been interesting. Um, again, of course, yeah. fantasy football season is rolling around the corner, so starting to get draft dates set up and stuff for that. So, football is in the air. It's getting closer and closer. We'll be back to talk more Texas Tech football next week with you guys. Uh, to catch everything we're doing here at Tailgate Talks, please give us a follow. Follow us on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. Give us those five stars. Five stars for the Tailgate. And if you listen on Apple, leave us a review. Follow our social media accounts. We're on Instagram, Facebook. But we do most of our posting on Twitter. So follow us there at Tailgate underscore Talks. And give that YouTube channel a follow as we post uh, videos for the upcoming football season, previewing teams that we're playing, previewing our own team. Uh, give us a follow there. Thanks for hanging out with us today, recapping the TBT and looking ahead to Texas Tech's first half of the football season. And as always, we will catch y'all at the next Hellgate.